Oh my stars, I am so thrilled you're here. My name is Kai Graham and welcome to another episode in my podcast, The Parent and Teen Toolbox, which is designed to equip parents and teenagers with the tools for navigating adolescence. I've been in the trenches of parenting and now I'm on a mission to help parents support their teenagers so that together we can build a mentally healthier and happier generation of young people. Each week you will receive learnings and takeaways that will help you tackle the challenges and the oh shit moments that are often associated with parenting tweens and teens. I have your back and I'm glad you're here. I am so excited about this podcast today. I'm speaking to you uh, or to Sivan Lieber, who is a parenting coach. She's a progressive educator and a mama and early childhood specialist. But most of all, she is a play enabler. Now, following nearly two decades in the classroom, she now supports children through her work as the joyous parent. And Sivan helps parents move from struggle, isolation, and winging it to feeling supported, confident, and self-compassionate so that they can model for their children who they hope for them to become. Again, check check out her work and join the joyous journey on either on Instagram or Facebook and get ready to join the play revolution. I am so glad to see you here, Savan. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Kai. I'm really excited about this conversation. Yeah, it's so cool. And actually, in the background, um, you guys might hear a a little voice. Um, We are being joined by Ella as well, who is the ripe old age of four years old. And actually, (laughs) if we could wish Ella good luck, because she's starting kindergarten tomorrow. So (laughs) so there we are. (laughs) But five. (laughs) Yes, and very nearly five. Very Um, nearly. (laughs) Devan, I'm excited to speak to you because we were just talking just before we started airing that um, whilst you speak a lot about play and you are obviously, as I've just introduced, you are the play enabler, which I think flips sake, especially after the 18 months that we've had. We we all need a bit more of that, don't we? But I was sort of saying, and don't forget, it's my, my audience are sort of, you know, parents of teens. And as you rightly said, these, we're going to be talking about your four pillars for joyous parenting. And it's it doesn't really matter what age your kids are, does it really? It really doesn't. And I've used these pillars with grandparents and I've taught these pillars to various caregivers and educators. I really do believe that these four pillars are the keys to whenever we're in the muck, like that I like to say, and all of us are always at oh, some yeah. point in the muck, aren't we? Totally, yeah. <laughs> winging it, as your introduction said. Absolutely yes. winging it half the time, yes. Yes, right? And so when we're feeling those big feelings and we're in those challenges, we're in those power struggles, oh. I guarantee nine times out of 10, the reason we are so deeply entrenched in the muck is because we most likely are not honoring one of the four pillars. Okay. If not yeah. all. Yeah, and that's that's the thing, isn't it? It's it's giving, and I think this gives us a framework so that we can be slightly more compassionate towards ourselves, but also mindful of the way we parent. Would that be fair? Yeah. Yeah. So I like to refer to parenting as a garden, and there are many gardens that water our parenthood, 
our professional life and our self-care life, our relationship life, all of the things that we experience, our financial life, they all water our parenting garden. And when we're able, whenever I'm at least in the muck and whenever I feel like there's a weed that needs to be tended to or invasive species perhaps that are creeping up. (laughs) I like to go through the four pillars and I ask myself, okay, am I doing these things? And nine times out of 10, like I said before, I discover, oh, there it is. That is the thing that I haven't done for myself that I can tag into so that I can feel more balanced, more grounded, more like myself so that I can be the parent that I want to be for my children. And for my partner, it's, it's, it's acknowledging that, um, you know, if we have something like your framework, you know, your four pillars, it gives us something to latch onto some, something, you know, because when we, when we're spiraling downwards, when we can't see the wood from the trees, it really, it really is quite tricky sometimes to put the brakes on and go, come on, what am I doing here? So your pillars are a great way of sort of directing us and nudging us in the right direction. That's right. I use them all the time. And I like to say that while I call myself the joyous parent, I am not nearly happy all the time, nor should I feel like I have to be, right? So by joyous parenting, what I mean is that I'm aligned. I'm aligned with my truth. I'm aligned with my my knowing, which is actually one of my pillars. (laughs) And I make sure that I check in with my body compass constantly. And ask myself if this is really what I believe yeah. as I go. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? Is, is the, the four pillars to joyous parenting. I mean, you know, so some of us, again, flip sake, you know, I'd just be lucky if I can feel as though I've got my head above water today. So it's it's acknowledging that it doesn't always have to be Pollyanna and Anne of Green Gables. The fact that we, you know, it, we, we do sometimes have to roll with the rough and tumble that life throws at us. Oh, absolutely. And I try to highlight that as much as I can uh, with everyone that I talk to. Um, In fact, I had this meeting with a client the other day and um, I was in the muck very much so in so many ways. And I told her and I allowed that muck into my space, even when I am holding space for another. And it's a modeling, right? It's an uplifting, it's a way of life. And she so appreciated it. And she said to me, wow, I can't believe I, up to now, I thought that your children must be perfect. And that only my children are, are the way that they are and getting to witness the truth and the, the background, the, the fact that my daughter is jumping around right now in the room, right? Yeah. Oh, there she is, <laughs> right? That is real life. Yeah. And there's no reason to plaster some sort of Pinterest, Instagram, yeah. perfect poster over our images and ourselves. Let's actually just be real and live and be and, and be honest with ourselves and others about what things are like. You're quite right. I, I was listening to someone else's podcast um, this morning, actually. And she was, they, they were talking, the theme was about mental health and parenting. Mm. And this, the, the host actually sort of said, she said, well, um, there's no way I, I I want to protect my sort of children from my mental health journey. I don't want them to sort of get, you know, embroiled in the muck. And I suddenly thought, well, do you know what? If you don't, you are setting, you are presenting yourself as the role model of someone that sort of has it together and, you know, is more than capable. 
And I mean, I know that when I started speaking to my kids about my fears and my worries, I mean, not, you know, the, it, in, it doesn't always have to be in gory detail, but when I sort of started speaking to them about social anxieties, about what was going, they sort of got it. And it was like, oh my gosh, right. So it's not, I mean, and as you say, we set the role, you know, we, we are role models. So it's, it helps them realize, oh, well, okay, mum's got this shit going on. Right. <laughs> she's, she's able to, you know, she pulls it together when she has to. And I think we do need to show our kids that we do have the rough and the smooth at the same time, don't we? I do too. I so agree with that. My daughter has seen me just plastered on the floor, hysterically crying. She's heard, I've never hidden something from her about death or sickness or disease or anxiety. And I know that there are people who will say that that's dangerous and they're scared and they they say they ask the question when is it yes. um, the right time right yes. to expose our children my answer is it's never too early yeah and I I add on never too early to talk about gender issues and gender identity and about racism and about other isms and stereotypes and ableism and um, anything that is true in our society it is never too early yeah. and it actually does our children a disservice when we hide things from them or we we uh, ignore or we try to prevent because at the end of the day they feel our energy yes. right our children are going to know when something is off yeah and, and so we either tell them the truth and let yeah. them in on it and let them feel and let them see and let them experience and perhaps help and support yeah. oh, which they can do right yeah. Yeah. or we can hide it from them and teach them oh there are things that we don't say and there are blocks and there are borders and there are things I'm not supposed to believe and that I believe is what that type of approach is what has caused our culture to be so hinged onto perfectionism success yeah and failure, which are three things that I don't believe exist. And they're three things that lead us into so much suffering. Yeah. And so when we're able to show our truth and say, there is no such thing as perfection, except for our perfect, our perfect uh, creation yeah. and our perfect truth. And there's no such thing as failure. That's just learning and growing. And there's no such thing as achievement or success. There just is our journey. Yeah. Then we actually get to show our children the beauty of what life can be and that's it and I think it's when we when we internalize all the muck not only does it do us untold damage but it also sort of sets that as you sort of say sets that it, that sort of message to the kids that they can't sort of you know they have to internalize their own stuff but invariably if mom or dad or whoever is cross angry upset whatever if we don't give our kids the reason, then invariably they join the dots wrong and think it's that they are the cause of the angst. And that's that's so unhealthy. Mm. And, and more so, I would say that is how we create epigenetic trauma that moves from generation to generation. And part of the work that I do and what I truly believe is that our generation we, we've already started to understand that there are paradigms that need to be shifted. We are starting to understand that there are systems that need to be dismantled. And I, I describe our generation as one foot in. We're, we're, we're one foot in, right? We, we have one foot in, in out of the door. We, we're trying to step out of the matrix, but then we have so many traps to conquer. Yeah. We have spiritual reparenting. We have wiring to change. We have patterns to 
to to switch up. We have stories to unlearn. Yeah. And we're so we're so we're in it and we see it, but we're not really quite capable of shifting completely out of it. It's it's very scary to shift out of it. But I do believe that at the same time that we're one foot in and one foot out, that we're also capable of raising children who will be two feet in, who will not have to deal with the stories and the dewiring and the patterns because we will already have given them a different paradigm. And and in order to get there, we need to be self, well, we need, we need to have the compassion towards ourselves. We need to have a greater understanding, as you say, to do all that rewiring and reprogramming. And a great way, she segues neatly into, is your four pillars, isn't it? Is, 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 that, yes. is, is, that, is that sort of framework for us to just maybe just hang our hat on and sort of go, well, you know, let's just look at this and, and how can I maybe sort of, you know, take a different step or sort of maybe not get two feet in, but sort of get my one foot slightly deeper and, 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 and feel more solid and grounded in what I'm trying to do. That's right. And also be okay with the fact that we're maybe only one foot in or be okay with the fear, right? Be, be okay with that. So yes, I, here they are. Yes, come on. Let's just, (laughs) we've, we've, we've pussyfooted long enough. Yes, we've been building it up. (laughs) One, share it with us today. So these are simple truths to return to again and again, when you need them the most. And um, number one, and, and they don't really go in they're not necessarily in an order. Okay. Um, they are more dynamic. Yeah. But I do like to present them in a certain order. Okay. And hopefully That's you'll fair. see why. So the first one is follow your knowing. And what I mean by that, follow your knowing, is that there's a way that we've been taught that parenting needs to look and feel like. There's yes. a way we've been taught that our children need to to appear and be in order to appear successful and balanced and healthy and then there's the truth and so instead of demanding that something be a certain way the question that I ask is how can you follow your own path your own truth your own story and this goes hand in hand also with what I call the traps that we get into and there are three principal traps that any person is led by Uh, especially if you study the Enneagram theory, you know more than me, if you're listening, if you're an Enneagram expert, but the, um, the three ways that we tend to be led when we are in the muck are either through an anger trap, a fear trap, or a shame trap. So people who are listening now, right? Anger, fear, or shame. Just ask yourself, what are you led by when you are in the muck? And it, it should be pretty easy to un, unearth. For me, I am so in the shame. <laughs> right with you, sister. Yeah, Are you? <laughs> oh, my stars. Yes, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. And actually, you're quite right. It's, I had never thought of it like that. But they are, they are three sort of, I was going to say pillars. Let's not even go there. <laughs> but they're, 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 they are the traps that um, it's, it's not only how we many of us find ourselves parenting by but just sort of operating full stop is is you know is is by these these traps so tell me a bit more about those yes so I'll give an example 
for how we don't follow our knowing, yes. how we get trapped in the story, and how we might unearth it. So a simple one is clean your room, right? This I I, I assume that this translates this is all the way of, from toddlerhood all the way through to teenagers, right? One of the biggest <laughs> problems that parents can't, you know, and I still can flip sake, that's all you've got to worry about, love, you're fine. You know, exactly. Yeah, I hear you, go on. But let's talk about this, right? Let's talk about clean your room or clean your toys or clean clean your things, right? So we have this, this story that we believe as parents, that in order to be good parents and also in order to raise balanced, healthy, happy children, we need to be demanding of them to clean their room and clean their things, right? Every single person, every single child, children's book has some sort of quip about that, right? In, yeah. in different iterations. So we ask our children to clean their room and we demand it. And then we turn around and our rooms maybe are a mess. Mm -hmm. Perhaps, right? Maybe you're, you're not this situation, but I'm just using this as a metaphor. So when we're in this example of clean your room, but then you turn around and you haven't really cared for your own thing. The question that I like to ask is, are you following your knowing? Do you really believe in cleanliness and order as a value? Is this truly something that you uphold in your life and in your parenthood? Now, if the answer is yes, then great. Then that is a value that you want to lead by. That is a piece of your parenting that you hope to instill in the experience of your entire family, not just your children. And then if that is so, then all of you need to work together to uphold this value because it is your truth. Yeah. It should be something that you want to do for yourself as well. But if the answer is, you know what? I don't really care about my room being clean. Yeah. Then why are you doing it? Why are you demanding that of your children as well? And then my answer to you is, well, then maybe hire a housekeeper the day before mom comes to visit so you can feel good and the rest of life focus your attention on your truth yeah on your knowing whatever that might be so that's an, an easy a simple example to attach to and I think that those types of messages are led by some sort of fear trap it's this fear of being seen as less than or this fear that if we don't keep our, our children's rooms organized or, or help them to be organized, they will be just completely oblivious as adults. And is that actually true? Precisely. <laughs> yeah. So that's a simple example for following your knowing. So when, when because I, I, I sort of nearly interpreted this differently. So when you say knowing, I was looking at it as purpose. Is that something very different? Or is I would say it's both. I would right. say that, it's also your purpose. It's also, so when I talk about following your knowing with, with parents, I start with values-based parenting and I introduce this idea of, so we can either parent from the paradigm of, I said this and yeah. you must do that. And that is power over. Yeah. Or we can parent from the perspective of values. Okay. Which is actually a co-creation of the experience and what I call power with. Okay. And when we parent from our values, what we're doing is we're taking ourselves out of the middle and we're putting values in the center 
And it actually takes us out of the power struggle as well. And then we are able to parent with our purpose, right? Because then what we're doing is we're saying as a family, these are the things that we believe. This is who we are in the world. This is how we want to be in the world. And we're going to work together as a team to co-create an experience where all of us are upholding these shared values and whatever they are for you. And I, and then I work with my clients to unearth what their values are, their true values are. And I help them if they have a co-parenting partner to identify theirs and then also with their children and then understand how to bring it all together into a shared purpose. Okay. Cause Forgive me, you were sort of saying that you're, you know, and you help your clients um, sort of determine what their values are. And that's exactly what I do as well. And I, I've got mm. a chapter sort of dedicated to it in my book because there are lots of parents who don't even know what their knowing is. So how can I follow, how can I follow pillar number one if I don't even know what their knowing is? I mean, exactly. you know, so is it, do, is, it, is, is it as simple as doing a values-based exercise? I think that's the beginning. Yeah. And then I think the second piece is I do a lot of body compass somatic work um, and helping people to really tap into what their body is telling them because we have our head space that is filled with a lot of intellect, but that intelligence is also story. And when we get into the land of story, those stories aren't necessarily always true. In fact, I would argue that most of the time they are not true. Yeah. And so I I also do a lot of work with my clients around how to really unearth what is your truth and what is just a story or a lie that you've been telling yourself or you've been hearing from society or you've learned is the only way to be and how to start to peel back those layers just yeah. a little bit layer by layer to to get to who you actually always have been to come back to your truth, to come back to your knowing. And it does take a little bit of work. It I does. Think. The inner work, it can be quite unsettling sometimes as well, can't it? Yes. But then I guess that's when we get the gems. Well, that's where we go into pillar number two. Oh, how wonderful. <laughs> Which is worded very carefully. And it is fill your own cup first. Yeah. I am a firm believer in this one. Yes. So the question that I ask with this one is in what ways can you resource yourself every day with overflowing self-love and compassion? That is the question. And it does not have to be so much. It does not have to be so big. But I like to use the analogy of when you're on a plane Mm -hmm. and when the oxygen mask comes down. Yeah. Who are we supposed to put it on first? And we all know the answer. It seems like we're supposed to be rushing to put it onto our children. But no, if you don't have oxygen, you're not going to make it to your child, are you? Yeah. So I I think that a lot of us feel uh, guilty for taking time to ourselves. And a lot of us feel that it is selfish. And I would like to flip the paradigm on that one and invite us to consider, might it be selfish? not to fill your cup i i think you're quite you're quite right and i think um we are led to believe that it's 
rude or arrogant or selfish or whatever it is to to think of number one and to you know woe betide we are um and this is where the programming comes in isn't it this is the knowing is 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 that we are taught to think of others first and and as parents and and you know we are sort of taught that your child comes first but therefore trying to change that and anticipate that as you say we need to fill our own cup we need to make sure our own energy reserves are are full so that we can cope with the muck that gets thrown at us in everyday life yes and I would say also that even if you do wholeheartedly believe that your children come first you cannot put your children first without caring for yourself it's just simply impossible just think of your your most depleted days yeah. Were you really a good parent to your children on those days? Truly. I, I also, I remember my first five years of teaching. I taught for many, many years. And in my first five years, I yelled a lot. <laughs> and I had gave ultimatums. And I, I had threats. And I, I learned this horrible system of punishment. And... Uh, it was because I was depleted because I was going to sleep with great fear and anxiety every night at nine and I was in my early 20s in New York City y'all and I was just I was not living life I was you were not (laughs) no I was I was terrified of the next day I was waking up at 4 30 in the morning in order to make an hour and a half commute into this very difficult community um, and it was a beautiful community, but it was a it was a it was a rough place. Um, and I was just influenced by so many fears, and I had the the world on my shoulders, and I just felt like I needed to do it all and be there for everyone. And if I messed up, their whole lives were on the line. And can you all relate to this? Yeah. Is that cup filling? Was I really there for those children? Was yeah. I really able to resource them? I don't know if you can all hear my daughter in the background, but she is really agreeing with this entire conversation and that that there lies the, the, the beauty of this system that you've got because you can actually see yourself falling into each of those individual traps can't you the ones of anger and fear and shame because because we are not putting ourselves first so exactly. i think I, I think that's when the wheels start feeling like they're coming off isn't it when when we are depleted and when we are in the muck and it's how we bring ourselves out of it That's right. And I also want to say that for me, cup filling should never be an extra job or task on the to-do list, right? When we're talking about filling our own cup first, it does not mean that now you need to have a whole new regimen. And if you don't do that well, you're, you're not doing it correctly, right? That gets us back into that story of success and that lie of achievement and overachievement, perhaps, that we've learned that we need to live in in order to appear successful and balanced and healthy. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you all can hear my daughter agreeing with all of this. She's just, she is my resume. <laughs> um, but um, what I want to invite us to consider instead is how can we fill our cups in ways that are effortless yeah how can we right yeah effortless and sustainable and I would say the first place to start is forgiveness okay and just right and just knowing that 
even if all you're able to do in a whole day of muck is take a few deep breaths. I would argue that that is enough, right? Yes. And that actually brings me to my fourth pillar. See, I told you that they're not necessarily <laughs> in the same order, which is celebrating enoughness. Right. Celebrating okay. enoughness. Yeah. So, and I really think that cup filling and enoughness go hand in hand because especially in, in American culture, I, I wonder, I'm very intrigued to hear from you, Kai, what messages you feel mothers specifically have been given in your culture. But in America, mothers are supposed to be perfect. And we're supposed to jump back after six weeks of maternity leave that is called short-term disability. Yeah. And we, we um, herald each other and we, 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 we cheer each other for saying things like, I just had a baby and I jumped back into the gym yeah. Yeah. or um, I, I'm back in the workforce or, or the other side is we, we shame one another when we're not yet doing it all. Yeah. Why yeah. haven't you had your second child yet? Oh, why are your ch children so close together? Why are your children so far apart? Why have you waited to have a child? Why are you going to work? Why aren't you working? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, All I, of it. Yeah, and, and the thing is, that's what I, I have been sort of trying to do is just change that narrative to give parents and especially mums the space, the space to, um, well, I guess the space to follow their knowing in that knowing how their family operates how their family fits in and it's perfectly all right that it's not the same as everyone else's and it's embracing mm. the messiness that we have um but it's still a you know I'm not a lone voice because there's many people like yourself who are doing this sort of same work but I think the thing is is that we we talk about multitasking and we talk about sort of you know as you sort of say get, getting the, the the beach body back after sort of six weeks after having a baby and it's like please for goodness sake you know we, we need to be able to just exist for the time being and tread water and and cope with what we're being thrown rather than as you say that this perfection that we're never going to reach anyway. That's right. That's absolutely right. And the thing is that I, I do also uh, celebrate this beautiful growing movement of enoughness that I think is yeah. looming. In it's, it's, beginning to, it's beginning to surface a lot more, isn't it? It, it, it is. Yeah. There's so many people who are showing their truth on social media. There are so many people who are mm -hmm. Um, taking really explicitly beautiful photographs of their wrinkled uh, stomachs after birth and showing breastfeeding and brazenly breastfeeding and being unapologetic and uh, about their truth and their parenthood. And I think that what you said about everybody's knowing being different yeah. is so very important because that's the point, right? It's not, I am a helicopter parent or I am yeah. a... Um, an assertive parent or whatever it is, a permissive parent or, right? It's, I'm a parent and this is my parenthood and this is yeah. my way of doing it. And one thing that's different for my parents' parenthood, oh, yes. that's okay. And I think right? that's the thing and it's embracing the mess and it's, you know, one day I might be a helicopter parent and the next day I might be a permissive parent <laughs> and, and, you know, and we're allowed to do that and we're allowed to roll with the punches and we're allowed to sort of find out and get into our own groove, aren't we? Yes, let's stop labelling ourselves and allow ourselves to simply be. Yeah. 
And so celebrating enoughness is the question that I, that I ask with this one is how can you remember that you must only be your best self at any moment and nothing more? So if your best self when you have a cold is that way and your best self when you have just run a marathon is that way and your best self when you have had a baby and you want to embrace the fourth trimester in the first 40 days and go back to the truth and wisdom of these ancient cultures that we have lost and people are criticizing you and people are asking you questions and people are are pressuring you we get to celebrate our enoughness and follow our own truth and knowing and nothing else and nothing more. And it's not just when we've run a marathon or felt as though one, you know, sort of childbirth might indeed have felt like a marathon for many. It's the <laughs> everyday right. stuff as well. Isn't the everyday. It? I mean, it's, it's, it's every flip, flipping day. And, and maybe <laughs> bath time is driving you mad or maybe trying to feed your kids is driving you mad or your kids are coming in at the wrong time of night, more early yeah. morning. You know, it's it's dealing with that and being, I guess, sort of accepting that that you are doing the very best you can with the resources and the knowledge that you've got yes maybe your enoughness in that moment is I apologize to my child for yelling and may that be enough yeah right I apologize to them for flipping my lid and losing my cool and I I did some repair work or maybe your enoughness is I'm not ready to do the repair work I'm really really angry right now yeah well that's it and right and yeah Yes. And I get to feel that and I get to be that and I get to, to create those boundaries. And I get to say to my child and my children, I am feeling really frustrated and angry and disappointed right now. Yeah. And I am going to need some time and yeah. you are going to have to repair this with me as well. Right. It, it's not a one way street. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So that brings me to the third pillar, which I think is the glue that brings them all together and it's a nuanced one but it is one that I think uplifts them all and it is relinquish the how okay relinquish the how I know that that wording I've if you have better wording I I keep trying to tweak it oh no that speaks to me loud and clear but please, (laughs) please elaborate yes so the question that I ask with this one is instead of trying to shape your children, how can you see who they really are? How can you see who they really are? Not yeah. who you want them to be. Yeah. Not who society says they have to be. Yeah. Not who the parenting books, what the parenting books say, or your parents or your colleagues or your friends or your neighbor that you're comparing yourself to. Can we relinquish all of our beliefs? about what childhood and adolescence and parenthood need to look and feel like, and instead learn who our children are instead of who we want to try to make them be or become. And I think it's really quite interesting because that changes the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, who you think your child is growing up to be, you know, and, and I, I do not, like labels but it was oh they're very musical or they're very sporty or they're whatever and that's fine because it's 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 creating that idea of who you think your child is but invariably life throws curveballs and that picture of who you think your child is growing up to be 
soon changes and it changes often and a lot uh, she says speaking from experience <laughs> um, and it's been comfortable with that that's right and it's more than that it's taking off how that reflects on who you are as a parent yeah right relinquishing that as well I just spoke to a couple who are new parents and they have a four-month-old and and I'm sure many people who are listening who have older children can look back on this time and relate to this they were saying we just figured him out and he changed what are we gonna do (laughs) onto your hat love (laughs) right and I and I you know when you hear that and I'm sure I said it and I'm sure you said it and right you just get to chuckle inside and just be there with them in that space and then and then you get to say well yes and they're going to change about every two weeks yeah. <laughs> right so it's 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 relinquishing the how it's not how do we get this right and now we have our system down and this is it it's more how do we move with the ebb and flow of life yeah and just take off our expectations put them to the side and not use our children as a correction for our own failures and mistakes and, I think and, that is that takes us right. back to our knowing because like you exactly. have said the the cleaning your room and stuff it's the I, I so many parents come to me and I and I they I sort of say well what is it that you're looking for here oh well you know one one mum sort of said is well a, 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 an orderly an orderly room is an orderly mind right okay and then someone else will say well they, they've got to have their room tidy because then it's nice to come back from school and then you know and it's 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 invariably sort of similar but very different reasons for need it and you know one mum sort of said but if I don't see a tidy room I'm a crap mum and it's like ah, oh, here we are and I think that's the thing isn't it is is just we need to sort of work out what things are important and what things we need to let go of and which things are ours yes and not theirs right because with all of your examples and I think they were brilliant they I hope that people who are listening can hear oh that one was about the mom that one was about the mom yeah and that one was about the mom which one is about the child (laughs) so the question is who is your child Right? Is your child a person who needs peace and order in order to stay calm? What is their sensory cup? Right? Yeah. Do they have a small sensory cup? Every single one of us has a sensory cup, and yes, this is an early childhood uh, disc- uh, symbol or or uh, some tool that I use to help with parents who are um, raising younger kids. But we also have a sensory cup at forty years old, don't we? we do indeed. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so. We can either have a small sensory cup and be very easily stimulated or our sensory cup is very large and we need more and more and more and more stimulation in order to fill it and feel in balance and control. So, and I can also relate this conversation to me and my partner. I, we always joke that we are the perfect combination for the perfect storm because, (laughs) (laughs) because I, for me, I want things to be in their spot. I want things to be beautiful and organized in that way. And he doesn't care about that. He will leave his socks all over the house. He wants things to be clean, hygienically. 
Yeah, you see. And my argument is you can't clean hygienically unless things are in their spot because then there's nothing to no surface. And his argument is, what does it matter if things are organized if they're not clean hygienically? <laughs> so, right? right? Yeah. And so both of us are in our own story, even around this one topic of how we want things to look and feel in our environment. And then the question is, have we considered who our children are in this conversation? Yeah. Have we co-created with our children or demanded of them? And I think that's, yeah. I, I, and do you know what? Your darling daughter is telling you <laughs> that you've wrapped up your four pillars, mum. And now can you come and spend some time with me? <laughs> I think that's right. And, and I need to listen to her and listen to myself as well. And I think that, yes, uh, she's, she's coming and showing us a beautiful shell that we, that we discovered and found one day on the beach, a really special, unique one. That is so pretty. Yeah. Yes. So Thank I guess you. the last thing I'll say, and Ella, if you want to add your own thoughts, because you live with these four pillars as well, is that they are dynamic and yeah. they are tools and they are touchstones. So whenever we're in the muck, whatever story we're in, whatever challenge we're in, what I like to do is just do a, a, a short survey. Am I following my knowing? Did I fill my own cup? Yeah. Did I relinquish the how? Am I in my story or am, am I seeing my child truly? Yeah. And am I celebrating enoughness, my enoughness, their enoughness? And if you go through it in that way, I, I bet you that you will tag onto, oh, there you go. That's it. And it is. And it's just pinpointing so that we can just adjust the sails a tiny bit. It's not, not, not everything is broken all the time. And it's just bringing us back into, into that sort of equ equilibrium that really helps us, isn't it? That's right. It helps us to kind of lift our blinders off. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the rear view mirror of the car when you're making the turn. Exactly. Sivan, <laughs> my love, thank you. And thank you for your time, especially on, on the precious day where you've got one day left with your darling daughter before she yeah. hits another milestone. Um, yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much. And I can say I am in the muck with this one because there's so much I want to control, especially oh, as an educator. I want to I want to be the parent, the teacher, the 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 therapist. I want to do it all, and then, but I also want to build my business. And so, we have co-created this experience with her. We have chosen yeah. public school in this specific space with her. Yeah. And. It's not necessarily following my whole truth. It's following most of my truth. It's following enough of my knowing, and I'm relinquishing the how for all of the rest. So <laughs> I think, and it's it that because when we do, it make makes life a lot more relaxed and a lot more flexible, doesn't it? That's right. So I hope that parents out there who are listening um, are able to feel even just five percent more resourced after hearing yes. these and I'm sure uh, so. I. I shared the link to my Four Pillars uh, ebook with yep. Kai for people that, want to that access that. That will be in that. the show notes, absolutely. So that, that, that will be ready for people to, um, to download. And, and Sivan, thank you, my love, for, for your time. Thank you so much, Kai, for having me. And uh, anyone who wants to check out my work, go to The Joyous Parent. <laughs> I'll speak to you soon. Thanks, thank Sivan. you so much. Bye. 
Thanks so much for listening to this entire podcast. If you want to help other parents looking for support, then please share this with your friends and family. Because if you found this podcast useful, then they will too. So please share via your social media. If you have any parenting questions, then please give me a shout through my email, which is toolbox at kygraham.com. And I may even use your question as a future podcast episode. If you want to connect, please come and join me on Instagram. Just search for Kai Graham. Also, could you do me a favour, please? Parenting teenagers can feel very confusing and isolating at times. And I believe that it takes a village to raise a child. And we are here to support one another. I'd love it if you would leave a review on iTunes. And a good one, by the way. (laughs) Because when you do, it lets more parents out there know that there is support for them too. Thank you. And as always, this comes with much love.